Hi, it's Laura Dickinson from Phineas and Ferb, and you are listening to Stories of the Magic. Welcome to Stories of the Magic, an unofficial Disney podcast with your host, Randy Crane. Hear stories from Disney cast members, Imagineers, artists, and more right here on Stories of the Magic. And now, here's your host, Randy Crane. Welcome to episode 18 of Stories of the Magic. I'm Randy, your host. Thank you for joining me. This week's episode is brought to you by Leaving Conformity Coaching, my life and personal development coaching business. If your life is out of balance or you feel like you're missing out on your purpose, visit leavingconformitycoaching.com stories and let me help you discover and connect to your God-given purpose and value to build your life to achieve true success and meaning and to positively impact your world. On this show, I'm delighted to share with you part one of my interview with Jill Burke, and this is another one I got to do in person. In fact, at a few different times throughout the interview, you'll hear some background noise. We were in the lobby area of the Grand Californian Hotel, so what you'll be hearing is mainly guests going to and from their rooms. I've reduced it as much as I could, but there's still some in there. Jill's work as a professional entertainer began at the Disneyland Resort, playing such characters as Princess Jasmine, Ariel, and Pocahontas in stage shows. That's not where she got her start at Disneyland, though, and you'll hear more about that shortly. In fact, she has such a fantastic and extensive history with Disney that this is just about as far as we get in Part 1. I think you'll be as fascinated as I was. Her recent achievement was wrapping up post-production as executive producer and co-star on the short film Huckleberry Dreams, also starring the Emmy and Tony Award-winning Robert Morse. She can still be heard screaming the popular Priceline Negotiator jingle. She was thrilled to work closely with Stephen Schwartz in a workshop of his new musical Snapshots. Currently, she performs in a variety of projects. She's a proud company member of the Musical Theater Guild in Los Angeles. She stars in the cabaret review entitled Hollywood Revisited and is a member of the a cappella band Vibration, which you may recognize from a previous episode or two as Groove 66. She also frequently belts out our national anthem for the Anaheim Angels, the Ducks, and the L.A. Lakers. On top of all that, she enjoys teaching private voice lessons at Vibe Performing Arts Studio in Santa Clarita, and you'll hear about several of these in Part 2 next week. Oh, one more thing before we get to the interview. I forgot to mention this last week, but thanks to my family, friends, and listeners, I raised $605 for Children's Hospital of Orange County through the Chalk Disneyland Resort Walk in the Park. My goal was 500 and you helped me blow well past that. Thank you so much. Between what we did and the other sponsors and donors, this year's walk raised $2 million for Chalk. If you donated, you're an important part of that, and we thank you. Now, a brief word from a fellow podcaster and friend, and then it's time to turn the page and start this story. On September 22, 2004, Oceanic Flight 815 left Sydney, Australia, bound for Los Angeles, and crashed on a remote and mysterious island somewhere in the South Pacific. The survivors quickly realized this was no ordinary island. 
The groundbreaking Emmy Award-winning drama Lost ran on ABC television from September 22, 2004 to May 23, 2010 and remains to this day one of the greatest television series of all time. Relive every moment of this amazing series as we reopen the hatch and take you deep inside each episode of this epic series. My name is Joyce. And I'm Al. And on our show, Lost Flight 815, we'll cover each episode of this immensely popular series in a unique way. We'll watch the show as we record and share our thoughts and Lost facts while you listen to the episode with us. So tune in to the Lost 815 podcast and visit us on the web at www.lostflight815.com and relive one of the greatest shows of all time. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at LostFlight815. And now, this week's interview on Stories of the Magic. Listeners may remember episodes 8 and 9, where I got to interview a member of my all-time favorite Disneyland Resort performing group, Groove 66, Laura Dickinson. Today, I have the honor of talking with another member of that fabulous group, Jill Burke. Jill was born in Bellflower and raised in La Mirada, California. She attended Fullerton College, studying musical theater and music. As Jill puts it, she tried her luck in the pageant world, becoming Miss Anaheim 1991 and moving on to compete in the Miss California pageant. Sitting next to her right now, I can tell you that luck had nothing to do with it. Her first professional performance work at the Disneyland Resort was portraying such characters as Princess Jasmine, Ariel, and Pocahontas. Of course, as I said earlier, she also performed as part of Groove 66 and another of my favorite streetmosphere shows, Chance to Shine. Since then, she's spent years traveling the globe while starring as the principal vocalist for Holland America and Norwegian Cruise Lines, and notably opened their production of Andrew Lloyd Webber's Music of the Night. We'll get to hear more from her about what else she's been up to and what she's doing now, but the one thing I have to spotlight is that for fun, she runs marathons. Jill, welcome to Stories of the Magic. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Very fun. Let's go ahead and start off with, uh, tell me what you did at Disneyland and how you got started there. Oh my gosh, that's a long story. No, I'll keep that quick. Actually, not a lot of people know this, but I started in 1989 the formal name is Attractions Hostess, but really I was a ride operator. Okay. I was a ride operator. I got hired in. That was pretty much like my first full-time job. And I spent my first summer jumping Autopia cars. <laughs> Shall I say how much that was per hour? If you'd like. Oh, well, that's the killer. Uh, <laughs> I spent eight, eight hours a day, five days a week, jumping cars out in the heat, wearing polyester for $4.94 an hour. Wow. <laughs> yes. And then after the summer was over, then I got trained in the other areas, and I spent pretty much about four and a half, five years in attractions Okay. and kept auditioning so I didn't have to terminate and then get rehired, and I said, I'm going to move into entertainment. Finally, in 94, I got hired as Princess Jasmine for the Aladdin's Oasis dinner show and made the smooth transition from operations into entertainment. And then I stayed with entertainment for several years, hopping from show to show. I moved into stage management work as well. Really? And I moved into being a clinician for the uh, tune-in seminars for Magic Music Days. And then really from like 1989 off and on until 2006 at the park, 
There was still other special events, mm -hmm. El Capitan in Hollywood, other okay. stuff like that. I think this is the this is the longest hiatus I've had. Really? Since okay. you know, since two thousand six. You know, I just kind of took a break and definitely actually looking to get into it now. We have things like Voices of Liberty and Minnie's Fly Girls and kind of scratching my head going, hmm, that looks fun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm like, that'd be a good way to come back in. Yeah, both great shows, too. I, so. I know. I've watched them on YouTube and went, that looks cool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that'll bring me back. Good. Yeah. Let's jump back and we'll kind of hit each of those different parts. So uh -huh. when you were in attractions, was it all Tomorrowland attractions? I or? started in Tomorrowland. Okay. And I learned everything but monorail. Okay. And we talked about that. <laughs> right, I think right. they thought I was, I don't want to say because I was a girl, but I was a girl. And <laughs> I was like 18, 19, and a little short. And I just, it, you just needed a little bit of more power at the time to drive the trains. And I wasn't as much of a leadership person, so monorail was just a little out of my reach. Literally, <laughs> so they're like, mm, she's not ready. But then I got moved into Fantasyland. I did Storybook for a while, and the last thing I got trained on, no, second last, Toontown opened. Okay. In '93. Right, right. And then I got trained on everything over there. Now, if you remember the costumes, and they are still the same. Yes. Very loud primary colors. <laughs> right. And my mom somewhere has photos of me in those costumes <laughs> that she has yet to post on Facebook, thank God. <laughs> are uh, those for blackmail later? Yes, they okay. are. So I did guest control and worked in Toontown when it opened. And the last thing I was trained on was Matterhorn. Matterhorn, okay. And that was supposed to be kind of a prestigious thing at mm -hmm. the time. And literally I finished training on Matterhorn. It was a long training process. And then I got hired for the Oasis. <laughs> My supervisor was like, well, what do we spend all this time training on Matterhorn for you? I just, you're just moving on. You're just leaving us. And he was saying it, you know, being funny. But sure. there was a slight truth to it. You're like, we just wasted our time training this girl, and she's out. Right. And I felt no sympathy. <laughs> I was like, I'm moving on. That was my plan, and it was great. It was a perfect plan. Nice. And, uh, yeah, and then I started hopping from show to show after that. Okay. So the whole time from the day you were hired in, your plan was really to move into entertainment. <gasps> Absolutely. You know, yeah, my plan was definitely to do a Disney show. But at 18, when I got my job there first, and I was like, well, I want to just get into the park at first. Plus, I just needed a job. And once I got more involved with watching the shows and knowing it would take a while to audition and get them to see you, come back, see your face, mm -hmm. it, took, it took about a year, a year and a half of me auditioning. Auditioning for like the carolers, the old traditional Disney carolers, Dickens carolers who were on Main Street. Right, yes. All of that. You know, talent booking, who was in it at the time, definitely quite selective on who they hired. Hopefully they still are, but right. you know, they looked at them as very prestigious jobs. So mm -hmm. it, it took a little bit of proving yourself, you know, but I was young and I'm like, heck yeah, I'm going to do it. Sure. So it took a while. So I, I, I really struggled with staying with attractions. I said, I'm going to just stick it out. Because I remember all my friends left, and I just sort of felt like alone in attractions. Mm -hmm. But I was like, no, no, there's a plan. There's an overall plan. <laughs> Good. Um, 
So as you were going through all those auditions, were you also then taking classes? Is that while you were going to Fullerton? Yes. When I was in attractions, I was at Fullerton College. And actually, one special thing while I was in attractions is when I was crowned Miss Anaheim. So that was cool. Yeah. Because then, you know, worked at Disney and a lot of events and a lot of things would take place naturally in Anaheim. We had the Angels, the Rams Mm -hmm. at the time. Back in the day. Lots of appearances. And some of the appearances were here at Disney. So that was exciting. So I'd come in wearing a crown and sometimes I'd see my other cast members and they'd look at me like, aren't you the... Don't you work at Captain EO? <laughs> and I'm like, yes, this is my other life. <laughs> so, so that was cool to see it just um, totally different. Like uh, the ambassador program, I think I remember coming to a couple of the ambassador ceremonies. Okay. You know, the things that would happen on Main Street. Oh, you know, I think I was there. Was I Miss Anaheim when they revealed the, what are they? They revealed the Walt Disney one with Mickey. It's in the hub. Oh, the partner statue? Yes. Yeah, that would have been... I know, testing you. 93-ish? Okay. Somewhere I, right around there? I, If it was beginning of 92, I still might have been Miss Anaheim. Okay. And they probably made the announcement before they actually yes. revealed it. So, so you had all your different people of the city coming in, and uh, always they were trying to get Miss Anaheim everywhere. So I was like, yes, I'm going to be there, <laughs> and I'm not working it. <gasps> I'm wearing a crown today. That's right. So that, that was fun to see both sides. That was a cool time. Yeah. Was there ever a time when you were working an event as Miss Anaheim at Disneyland, and you're like, you, you almost like shift into cast member, but you're like, wait, wait, no, I'm wearing a crown. I don't have to do it that. Was, it was. It was a little strange. I mean, I was, what, like 20, 20 at the time, 20 going on 12 or so young. <laughs> and yeah, it was different. It was different, but it was fun. It was just so many years ago and just so grown since then. <laughs> sure. You know, really just a child. But it was cool. Remember the cast line? What, what, what was it? The Disney line that, that we had a cast member newsletter that yeah. would basically come out. Disneyland line, I think mm-hmm. it was called. My uh-huh. supervisor was really cool. My head supervisor at the time had quickly gotten the news and had it put in the Disney line. Oh, no. Sort of unbeknownst to me. I mean, it was fine, uh-huh. but they were saying, this weekend, Jill Nimala was crowned Miss Anaheim, and I get to work, and everybody's like, blah, 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 and I, I hadn't really talked about it, but of course not, I wasn't going to tell everybody that I was in the pageant, right. and then what if I lost? Right. <laughs> so, I was like, I'm not going to tell anybody, though there was a big crowd of uh, cast members there that night, and Disney, just like any other workplace, I mean, mm-hmm. you could say something at 10 a.m., in the area, and about 11.15, it was all over the place. Right. That's it. You get on your phone at your attractions, and, you, and that, that was it. It's like, well, you know, if I want something spread around, just just quickly, and I knew the people to go to mm-hmm. and tell, and just spread that gossip around. <laughs> it's so, a lot more efficient that way. Oh, uh, uh, well, now it's just everybody do, oh, God, <laughs> You tell somebody at 10 o'clock by 10 10 you know it'd be out now right. we still had to get on the phones oh yeah we had to get on our attractions phones when we weren't supposed to and we're like you know <laughs> when our lead wasn't around and right see yeah. now i'm giving away the dirty stories <laughs> 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 it's see the fun that we do to have an attractions it was fun good so then you moved into entertainment you said your first show was spirit of pocahontas but and then I know... No, no, the first show was actually the Jasmine. Was oh, the, that's right. I'm sorry. The yeah, your dinner first show, show was... Yeah, the And Aladdin's I did that Oasis. a full year 
I did it until it closed, January 1st of 95. Oh, wow. And I, we were there for the closing day. And what then, was that like? That was fun. And you know why? I totally forgot. See, I'm giving, oh, I'm giving the dirt away. Uh, I played Jasmine. Mm -hmm. And remember the three wishes? Sure. Yeah. Okay, and there were five shows that day. Okay. So I was lucky enough to, we would all get swung out of a show so not everybody would do five shows I was lucky enough I did the first four shows as Jasmine the fifth show uh -huh. I came out as the fourth wish <laughs> really? <laughs> oh yes because we're like what are they gonna do fire us right right <laughs> that's right I got my first four shows in as Jasmine so I should have had the last show off mm -hmm. and we didn't tell a lot of people and I said what costume can I fit in so the three wishes would come out and they would introduce Kazim, I think was the main character. It was yeah, David Holmes. Right. Ooh, I'm going to see if David Holmes remembers this. And I was just this squirrely, crazy fourth wish that came out. It was probably the bravest thing I'd ever done as an entertainer at the time. Because I was still a, just a kid. Sure. And when I went backstage and I had the stage manager comes over and she's like, Oh, that's cute, Jill. That was very nice. And I don't know, remember if I made another appearance or not, but that was just, that took a lot of, that, that, that took a lot. But again, we were like, it was such a great cast and everybody got along and all the supervisors had already showed up to the show before. So <laughs> <laughs> I was like, they're just going to hear about it. They're not going to see it. I didn't do anything right. tasteless. Mm -hmm. It was just, the caption was, Jill finally got her wish. Nice. But I like that, yeah. Because the wishes, the three girls, uh -huh. really worked hard in those shows. Jasmine did nothing but come out at the very end and sang her song. And I was a principal. It was an easy gig. I complained never. <laughs> I'm sure. That was my first job. I learned to just sit there and say nothing. Mm-hmm because you're the newbie, so I treaded lightly. <laughs> <laughs> right. And by the very end, everybody got, it was great. It was a great experience. Okay, good. Yeah, no, actually, yeah, that was the Oasis dinner show. Mm-hmm. The next show I did here at the park was the Spirit of Pocahontas. Okay, that's what I was thinking of. And then that kicked butt. That was a lot of work, a lot of fun. Okay, yeah, I saw the video on, on YouTube. Oh, did you see that? I did. <laughs> I asked my mom, I said, how many views it got? She says, uh, it's, a, it's over 20,000. I'm like, oh, no. Oh. I don't know why that makes me laugh. That makes me giggle. Uh -huh. So I had to post it and just go, who are you people? <laughs> yeah, I saw that. <laughs> but it shows how universal that is. Mm -hmm. How easy anybody out there just wants to see Pocahontas footage. And these things will pop up. Yeah. And I thought, that's crazy. <laughs> but that's fun. That's fun, you know. That beats out anything else. I mean, it's... It's as universal as anything. McDonald's, Coca-Cola, mm -hmm. music, Disney. Right. So that makes it really special. So you said that show was a lot more difficult. Obviously, Pocahontas had a lot more to do yes. than Jasmine did. Did you enjoy it more with having that much more involvement in the show? Yeah, because it was definitely challenging. And it was a raked stage. Oh, that's right, because I was in the Fantasyland Theater, yes. right? Okay. That posed a challenge for everybody, 
Now, I didn't dance, but I ran around the stage, and I thought, nothing's going to affect me, you know, uh, the way that it is the dancers and their mm -hmm. technique, their training. And eventually, I realized that I always kind of favored stage right, I believe, and I would face the other way. And I finally saw, developed, like, like, why is there a pinching on the top of my ankle or my top of my foot? Hmm. And I realized, of course, I'm standing at this ankle, this, this foot's raised. It's interesting just the things that will take place over time working on just an angled stage. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, it was challenging. Both songs that she sings in their entirety. Right. Always the heat during the summer is a challenge. Uh -huh. And funny story, you know, during the summer, you get those beetles. Those, oh. those blind beetles that fly around, mm -hmm. well, they seem to really love our stage. <laughs> and They have good taste. They, <laughs> they know a good show when they see it. Well, remember the dancers would dance around with the olive branches? Mm -hmm. Well, it was always a bit funny and very hard to not laugh when they were using those olive branches to... <laughs> switch away the beetles and I'm like you can't do that like, we're supposed to love the earth and the bugs and everything and they're swatting away <laughs> they're swatting away these beetles instead of graceful they're like ah. <laughs> and I'm doing just around the river bend I'm like I can't believe this is happening but the funniest one all is a beetle did finally land on me Okay. And found its way up into my dress. Oh. In the middle, in the middle of Colors of the Wind. Colors of the Wind ends, you know, big finish, big finish. You're supposed to kiss John Smith, and it's wonderful. And I'm still have some things to say. There's still some talking going on. And the whole time, I know that he's crawled up into my fringe of my dress, <laughs> my leather dress, and he's under my arm. I just know it because he never flew away. Uh -huh. You can't be swatting him away, and you have children sitting in the front row looking up, going, "Mommy." Oh, I just killed a bug. You know, you can do it. So I go running off the stage, and I, luckily, I think, hopefully, they had muted my mic in time. And I was like, get him off me, get him off me, get him off me. And the costumers are like, what are you talking about, Jill? I'm like, I know it, I know it, he's there, he's there. And, and I'm like, I've got, I've got two minutes. you got to get him off. And they're like, oh, Jill, you're crazy. And I'm lifting up my arm, I'm like, get him, get him, get him. And they're looking, we don't see him, Jill, we don't see him, we don't see, oh, look at it. Oh, look, there he is. And he had just found his way up in there. And they manipulate him out and uh -huh. maneuver him and lift up the fringe. And then there he flew away. But, <laughs> and I know they don't sting, but, you know, they're, they're kind of ugly to look at. Yeah, and, <laughs> and they crawling. And, and they're, they're crawling yeah. and they're, they're noisy and they're blind and they bump into things. And that's where he went. And it was like 105 degrees that day, you know. Right. So that's just, again, the things that happen that you just have no idea. And you've got annual pass holders that are in the front row and mm. they know every single little thing. And they know everybody in the show and they know every movement and everything. And... And you're just like, oh, God, I'm sweating, I'm sweating. No, I cannot touch this beetle right now. So, <laughs> so those are the very, very funny stuff that, that happened. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> you, know, you mentioned the uh, angled stage, and yes. it made me think of something that we're going to go completely off of Disney for a minute. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, thinking about your performing on the cruise ships. And that's oh. not so much an angled stage, but you've got the movement of the stage while oh, you're performing. Oh, yes. What is that like? 
oh, it's always fun to come on a ship and work with new dancers who always come off crying afterwards because they just feel, I've trained my whole life, and it's just all out the window because with the ship, not only is it rocking and swaying, but sometimes if you're a dancer and you leap into the air, you kind of don't know where that stage is going to be when you come back down. Right. So that's difficult. As a singer, let's say it's just a park and bark song, as I call it. You just come out gliding in high heels and you just stand there and park and bark and just sing your song in a gown. Well, that's even becomes difficult when the ship's rocking because then now you suddenly look drunk. Right. And it's like, this is such a challenge to just merely walk across the stage without walking bow-legged because you're just trying to stay graceful looking. Right. It got much easier. We all adapted. Mm-hmm. It would have to be really uh, genuinely rocky for them to cancel a show. Right. Because we, you know, and, I, and the toughest of all was always the Adagio couple who were doing lifts and mm. tricks. So, I mean, if they can get through it, it no one else needs to cry about it. We're, we're fine. Right. <laughs> so, no, rocky stage, everything, just, you know. You, learn, you definitely learn to adapt. Your muscles are working mm-hmm. on overtime. Oh, I can only imagine. I remember being on a cruise several years ago, Mexican Riviera. And especially that last night, at least on the sailing oh, we were on, yeah. it was the last night we were coming back into L.A. And the seas are so rough. Um, we were on a Royal Caribbean ship. Yeah, and, and, and the biggest so, ships can become very Yeah, you know, we've gone up to see that show. And we're sitting here watching it, and suddenly there's no chair under us. Because the, sh- the bow of the ship has dropped, oh, and oh. then we drop into the seat, oh, and then oh. it comes back up, and then there's no seat under us, and we drop. And you're worse than yeah, you're having yeah. this happen, watching the stage, and these performers are just amazing. I don't understand how you do that. Yeah, well, you know, the stage was in totally different places, you know, uh-huh. a few feet apart. Oh no, you just so. the, the show is backstage because that's when they come <laughs> off and they're like. <laughs> and they're this or they're laughing or they're whatever their reaction might be they they're like this is the gig and we're just gonna have to get used to it it was always tough for a new cast Mm -hmm. so if i came in with a new cast the same feelings will just you'll see it transpire every time right but again i would definitely try not to complain however the seas were always very rough outside of Japan. Really? Okay. And I got put in a lot of the dance numbers because it was a small cast. Okay. And it was this insanely tall cast. And then there's Jill in the end. <laughs> They're like, who let the kid in? <laughs> oh, God, it's Jill. They put me in, like, the chorus line. They put me in the can-can. So definitely there's a couple times I rolled my ankles. Mm. You know, and I'd come yeah. off stage and just let the cast go and they're like, you okay, Joan? I'm just like, uh, yeah. I would just go lick my wombs elsewhere. Mm-hmm. But again, I just felt like, wow, these dancers really just get messed up, you know, physically. They get a beating, but they look really good. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> dancers always look really good, though. You've mentioned your height a couple of times. How tall are you? 5'4". Okay. 5'4". You know, and then put on some nice three-inch heels, you know, then it looks taller. Right. But, you know, when you're hired next to a bunch of five, eleven, six-feet dancers, <laughs> yeah. which that cast I was. So, and I was like, you really you really do want me up with the dancers? They're like, we need everybody. I'm like, all right, you know. Your choice. Yeah, I know. So it was clear. Actually, the girl's singer was short like me, so we were the bookends. Okay. <laughs> and I'm like, well, if you're going to do Jennifer, I'm going to do it too. <laughs> nice. 
That was good. good. Let's jump back into yeah. Disney now. Uh, so you did uh, Jasmine and then Pocahontas. Yeah. Now you, you also told me about Ariel. I did. I did. Uh, I did. Yeah, Spirit of Pocahontas, and then I did one of the El Cap shows. Oh, really? Okay. So there was a, the summer of '96. I was doing a dual thing. There was a couple of us doing the same thing because mm-hmm. Pocahontas was running and El Cap was running. So a couple of days I'd be at El Cap, and then I would sub in for Spirit of Pocahontas. Okay. That was a busy summer. But the summer prior to that, I did Ariel. And I always laughed at that one. I said, were they really that desperate? I'm like, I'm going to get hired as Ariel. I'm going to be the tannest Ariel ever. <laughs> but it was a transformation. It's all in the hair and makeup. I mean, I, I money on it, always. So I spent the time to really do the transformation and match the makeup and match the color of the hair. Mm-hmm. Great wig. Love the wig. <laughs> and that was really fun. Because uh-huh. you got seat belted and strapped into your unit. Okay. That got wheeled out into the opera box. Uh-huh. And then you do your song and you flip <laughs> your fin and do all that. And then you got wheeled back and then you had your own stage manager who would lift you off and put you on because you had the fin on. Mm-hmm. And then I had enough time to go change and go dance in the Circle of Life Humber at the oh, very end. Wow. Yeah, that was, that was a cool summer. That was a hysterical summer. Really? Yeah, that one was fun, too. <laughs> nice. We'll have to get into some stories about that in a little bit, maybe. Oh, the, oh so. there's some stories. <laughs> and I have to say, I can see Ariel's smile. When it you smile, smile. I, can, I can see Ariel in your smile. Oh, cute. So. <laughs> it was fun. That one, again, that was fun. That didn't seem to be, is, say, stressful, say, is the next one. But that's okay. just stress I put on myself, thinking, you know, because those were five shows spread out from 10 a.m. to 10.30 p.m. Okay. 20-minute show, two hours off. Mm-hmm. 20-minute show, two hours off. So, you know, you've got the whole day to laugh and <laughs> eat and sleep and laugh and go eat. And, you know, there's just things that can wreck your voice by the end of the day. Right. So other people weren't as worried, and I was always just like, no, 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 i gotta, I got to take it easy, got to be quiet. <laughs> You've gotten over that, I see. Yeah. <laughs> I sort of, sort of gotten over it. Um, I wouldn't stress about it as much. I probably was still early in training for that. But, you know, we'd go, like, after the 8 o'clock show, we'd go to, there was an Acapulco's close by. Mm-hmm. We'd go there, you know, have a little fun come back the 1030 shows were always the best those are the shows that was suggested to us as cast members have your friends come to that one it's the last show it's quiet you want friends to visit you then they can hang out with you after you're done mm, that makes sense yeah. and that was always either a really fine crowd or a really rowdy crowd either or okay and on a say a tuesday night 1030 in hollywood again you might have a pocket of 20 people out there so anything goes. Right. And in fact, that's a funny story. I'll get to that one over here. Okay. <laughs> Being Ariel, as far as like making things special, there was moments. That was a Disney special moment of like, oh yeah, that was good. Nice. Did you prefer the fun or the rowdy or did it matter? As long as it wasn't rude. Okay. Did you have that happen you know, very often? Nothing that comes to mind with those shows. Uh, just as long as it was quiet, they were always very appreciative. I mean, that's why you come to El Cap to get a 20-minute 
live pre-show. Right. Nothing terribly rude. I mean, if anything had happened or, you know, somebody would have been removed or such. Sure. But the 1030 show being a smaller crowd, they were the ones that tended to be more vocal. Okay. In quieter spots. <laughs> and, and I was, again, what was I giving away my age? Early 20s on that. So the thing is, don't get thrown by it. Now it wouldn't, it wouldn't throw me at all. <laughs> but at the time, you're like, don't, don't say anything that'll, that'll confuse me. <laughs> don't throw me off. I don't throw me off. I'm going to get behind and I'm going to get fired. You know. <laughs> you too worry. You worry about different things. Right. I know. I know. So what did oh, you do after those shows? God, well, Spirit Pocahontas closed in 97. And then I got hired finally to a, a caroling group that then got hired several holiday seasons to perform at the Disneyland Hotel area. Okay. So we would do the Disneyland Hotel around the area, sometimes their Christmas tree lighting over there. That was always fun too. I had been wanting to carol forever and I never got hired for like the Dickens carolers that used to sing all the time uh-huh. uh, at Main Street. Right. So then I was like, okay, fine, just, you know, check that off my list. So anywhere from like 98 to 2005, we would do the hotel and many, many stories on that. You know, that was always fun. Nice. Yeah, I love the carolers. It's one of my favorite parts of the Christmas season, whether in the park oh. or just in the resort overall, the carolers are... I mean, you fantastic. can't go wrong. It's a crowd pleaser all the time. Right. Very yeah. cool. Very cool. Now, right around this time, uh, this is about when California Adventure would have opened, I think, right? Yeah, California Adventure opened in 2001. One. It did, open in 2001. Mm-hmm. So there was a big preparation for a bunch of shows that were going to open uh-huh. at the time. And one of them was Chance to Shine. And that was 2001, May or June of 2001. And they called me and just said, hey, you want to come in and do this show? And I'm thinking, oh, okay, what's the audition? They're like, no, no, you're, you're just coming and do it. And I was just like, I'm never going to get this phone call ever again. Wait, wait a minute. Let me just sit here and relish this for a moment. Okay, I'm just coming into the rehearsal process. And I was like, no way! And that was an amazing rehearsal process. That was hysterical to work with all of my fellow colleagues and friends making tweaks on the script, Mm -hmm. changing things around, you know, sort of forming the characters, helping the writers a little bit. And it was nothing but two weeks of just laughing, (laughs) laughing our butts off. And then we were being mounted at the same time a couple of us shows were. So at nighttime is normally when we would, during the night, have our rehearsals out in the park. Oh. So in case you're wondering, like, how does that stuff happen? Those are the overnight rehearsals. Okay. So you might show up, arrive about 10, 11, maybe even 9, depending on park hours, mm-hmm. and you'd work through the night. You'd work through it up until about an hour or two before the park opens. I mean, you might have an eight-hour shift, but that's when they have a chance to get you out. It's atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Work on lights, do this, get run-throughs. I mean, you know, Chance Time was three girls. Rotate each person in, get a couple of run-throughs. Okay. And that was an overnight. A lot of times special events they'll do that main street same mm-hmm. thing i mean that's something the park it never closes and really yeah. doesn't once something closes something else is running i think that was cool when i was attractions hostess when it was late 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 and the park had closed and you were the last one out uh-huh even though there was another shift of people coming on to do overnight stuff it was very cool to see the park at night 
closed. Oh, yeah. Not eerie, just. Oh, it was cool. I guess that's that's something not many people would see. Mm-hmm. But now, like, you had a long walk from your attractions to backstage, and you kind of savor those walks of like, oh my gosh, the girls are gone, and it's so cool, and you might notice something you hadn't noticed before. Mm-hmm. Notice how clean things are. Notice how freshly painted things are still are. Mm-hmm. That notice the detail. That was cool. Yeah. Just that was a tangent there, but no, you know. it's okay. <laughs> but yeah, and Chances Shine opened that summer of 2001. Okay. As you mentioned, walking through the park at night after it's closed, uh, did you ever have an opening shift when oh, you yeah. were in the So walking through in the morning. Same thing the, too. Yeah. Same thing. That they would always, you know, the way you come out and sort of with hoses, you might water your lawn. Mm-hmm. They pretty much kind of water the pavement. Mm-hmm. That's why everything still looks very clean. And, you know, they paint the pavement that you're walking on, so it's all even. Uh-huh. And that's something you'd see in the morning. You come in and things have been watered down. Things have been cleaned. Right. Nobody's in yet. You know they're about to. You know they're all just <laughs> they're at the door. They're waiting at main, you know. So once you knew, 8 o'clock, main gate has opened. You just give it about, mm, whatever. It's like, who's going to be the first one here on Space Mountain? <laughs> right. Like 8.05, I'd be like, hi, you walked really fast, didn't you? You know, <laughs> give it a couple minutes and people know exactly where they're going. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> no, no, it, it's nice to see the park with nobody in it. Uh-huh. Not in an insulting manner, just oh, it's, right. it's just different. Yeah. Now, I've talked to a couple other cast members who had that early morning experience. I'm curious if you had the same one, um, the singing from Snow White's Grotto. Yes, you begin to hear a lot of the audio more clearly. Oh, I mean, that, all the dark rides, all, all the teacup, all that music around there, mm. you can hear it a lot more clearly. I, don't, I guess a lot of that doesn't shut off then. I'm thinking about it, Mike. Some of that stuff is just running 24-7. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's clear. Just suddenly it sounds like the volume has been pumped up. And you're like, no, no, no. I'm just hearing it with nobody around. Right. So I heard it really carries. That, like, it carries oh, it a does. lot farther. I yeah. mean, especially Snow White's voice, too. Oh, right. So even if you're not hearing the instrumentation very well, like her voice is just cutting through. And you're like, I know what that is. Small world things. Yeah, you begin to just... Yeah, it is very cool. <laughs> you know, boy, yeah, you took me back how many years already? It's <laughs> <laughs> what we do here. It's <laughs> what we're here for, exactly. Now, Chance to Shine, I really love that show. That was a hit. And it seems like whenever I talk to people, they might go, oh, yeah, I think I remember that. But they'll remember things like Groove 66 a lot more. And I'm not quite sure why that is. It's funny because... Chance to Shine opened slightly before Groove. Mm-hmm. It closed slightly after. I know a lot of people remember, but I guess maybe it might be its location. Our shows were a little bit shorter. Mm-hmm. Groove, being as still it was an atmosphere show, our sets were 25 minutes, 30 mm-hmm. minutes, perhaps just longer periods of time out there. It was a lot different. I do remember a lot of people remembering Chance to Shine, but... Uh, yeah, I guess Groove became pretty popular, though. Mm-hmm. I guess it, I guess it outshined Chance to Shine. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I like nice. what you did there. Yeah. Cha-ching. <laughs> well, I mean, I have to say, when I did Groove mm-hmm. and it closed, I said, I'm not going to get a better gig than this at the park. I said, if I never do another show at Disney again, 
I'll be happy. Because, I mean, I did continue to Chance to Shine, and it closed mm-hmm. shortly after, but I just said, groove is it. I said, I can show up. We're wearing jeans. Mm-hmm. Number one, just the preparation for it. Wearing jeans, our own hair, no wig, street makeup. Now, at the time, there was a lot of exceptions for our group. They let the men have their facial hair. They let the men keep their pierced ears. Oh, that's right. In fact, they hired them as is. They're like, you, you look hip. You look young. You got the piercings and stuff going. Keep it. That's what we're hiring you for, along with Mm. your amazing talent. And so facial hair was in. Us girls could wear multiple earrings, hoop earrings. Uh That's unheard of normally. So we're like, oh my God, we wear this, and I can keep my rings on, and I can wear nail polish. And we just got paid to go out there and be creative six times a day, six sets. Uh We were just sort of left alone. It was a great, great, great time. The people, I mean, everybody I worked with, I'm still working with. Mm-hmm. With Vibration, of course, but just right. other stuff. And it was such a creative time. And it was a growing time as a performer for mm-hmm. a lot of us. And I kept saying, like, we're getting paid for this. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's like paid rehearsal time. Uh-huh. That was great. Um, they did have, like, a four-day slot, a two-day slot. One day, like, I had a one-day slot, but it always led to, like, two days a week, maybe three. And that was perfect for me. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to come too many days and just it, lose its lose its luster, you know. But no, it was perfect. You just you just go out there and scream your head off for all day. It was great. It was great. <laughs> so, now this might be a silly question, but as a non-performer, I'm not sure, did you do Groove 66 and Chance to Shine on the same day, or would you alternate days? No, no, they, normally they would try and keep you the same show a day. Okay. That has probably sometimes changed. I would not have thought that was a good idea. It could happen in an emergency. Again, mm-hmm. these are all the details that it's been a while, but normally, I mean, we shared the same trailer at times, like our break area. Uh-huh. But normally, if there's an emergency, but then they have a swing person that could do stuff like that. Okay. There was one day I was stage managing, however, hmm. and I was up at Magic Music Days, and they said, we need you down at Chance to Shine. And I said, um, wow. Um, that's cool, but I don't have any like the right makeup, whatever. I didn't, I didn't feel prepared. That threw me that day. And mm-hmm. but they're like, "Well, you gotta do it." I'm like, "Okay, okay, okay." Like, it's a different mindset at the time. I probably let it get to me too much. But it's like we had lockers. Had I just had my stuff in my locker, sure, you know. Mm-hmm. And you go do it and and jump in. Gotcha. You know. <laughs> so now, in chance, I know there was the three performers. Yes. Were you always the same role, or did that role rotate? I only played the watermelon girl. There was a watermelon on my head, sorry. And I'm blanking on what my character name was. Obviously, it was the Carmen Miranda type. Right. I did not, for that show, I didn't end up cross-training into any of the other characters. Hmm. Probably a lot for costume reasons as well. Mm, right. That makes sense, You know, yeah. like that costume since we were opening the show that costume was made specifically for me and it was tiny and so we hadn't switched over a lot yet to any other costumes and stuff Mm -hmm. so there were girls i think there were a couple that did cross train into different characters i did not on that show but groove i did groove out of the three vocal parts Mm -hmm. i knew soprano and mezzo 
Okay. Like Laura Dudes Pramezzo Alto. Mm-hmm. I remember at one point they're like, hey, Jill, do Alto. And I said, I just two parts is good. <laughs> I said, I said, I, I'm content with that. Let me just keep that. I said, once you start really filtering it through, it's, you know, too many parts. I'm, at the time, I was just like, I'm really good with two. Mm. And then at the time, again, um, when I probably was like, cross train's cool, then everything came to a close. I sure. like the, the Carmen Miranda one the best anyway. Okay. Well, I'm glad you got to have the one that you liked the best. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you know, the joke was when the show first opened, that part mainly was given to blondes, which is a big joke, right? So they, <laughs> they had that little wasp of hair uh-huh. that was glued to your hat, <laughs> and it was all blondes. And I was like, I'm the only brunette, which is kind of funny because it's like the, the joke would be, it's like, come Miranda and they're hiring a blonde, like a Maryland looking. Uh, right. <laughs> but that was made it more funny. But I was the only brunette there hired in for a long time. Nice. And I was like, oh, okay. You know. <laughs> sure, why not? A little tidbit. <laughs> yeah. Now, in Groove, you had the two parts that you could sing. Did you have a preference between the two? I came in as a soprano. Okay. And definitely thought I would get fired. <laughs> really? <laughs> They hired me soprano. I said, are they kidding? I said, they're going to find out I'm not a soprano. I mean, I was, I'm used to doing mezzo, soprano, or alto in groups, mm-hmm. caroling, any kind of choral groups. Being on top like that is a whole other mentality. Oh, yeah. And I didn't really get that until I did groove. And then, you know, I said, and this, it, and it's not, it's not written super high. At the time I thought it was, and I, it definitely, I had to step it up, which was great. Mm-hmm. It really pushed me, challenged me. Right. And did Soprano. And then after that, and after living with these charts forever, our next uh, group of hiring in, they said, who wants to cross train? They're like, can you learn mezzo? And I was like, God, that'll be a piece of cake now. <laughs> I'm like, sure, you know, and I'm used to hearing the parts. That was an easy transition. Okay. Each has its pros and cons. Soprano, you're just sitting up there the whole time. Not a lot of solos because you're, you're on top. You're exposed. Mm-hmm. Mezzo, you're kind of sitting back. And then you have these wailing solos. And then you just come back and sit back again. <laughs> so that's switching gears, too. So uh-huh. they're fun in both ways. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, listening to you talk, I wouldn't have heard your speaking voice and thought soprano no yes (laughs) and i always say it to my students and i'm like speaking voice for the most part you can't listen to speaking voice and go oh yeah that person sings da 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 no Mm -hmm. way no way in fact that's a joke in our school shows you know when we introduce each part to the students explaining this person sings this part or whatever and they're like and jill's you know she sings soprano everybody say hi jill and they're like hi jill i'm like hello <laughs> you know, they're like, give us a demonstration, blah, blah, blah. and then up in the stratosphere, so uh-huh. it means nothing. <laughs> nice. From what you had told me before we actually started recording, you also were in a stage show at DCA. Um, you were in Animazement, right? Or wait, no, that was back over in the Fantasyland Theater. No, that's Fantasyland Theater. You're, I was thinking of in the Hyperion Theater, whatever oh. the show was in there. Oh my gosh, I mean, remember Steps in Time? Uh huh. And then Steps in Time, I believe, was running sort of at the same time that first summer of Chance to Shine. I have yet to um, step foot on that Hyperion stage. I might have for a special event or so. Mm-hmm. Haven't done a show there. Really? No, in like the, you know, nicest, you know, 
awesome theater. What a great venue and stuff. Oh, yeah. Haven't done, a, haven't done a show there. Really? They were always very much, which is sad, just be, just merely because of location. Mm-hmm. They're always sort of just set aside. Like, we never really, here we are at the same park, but they were in their own world over there. Yeah. So it was rare that I was knowing who was working over there. Groove was over here. They're just sort of segregated over there. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't leave. They had no reason to even venture out. The only exception I know of to that was an entirely different show than that. It was when The Power of Blast was performing. Oh, I think I remember that. And I remember during one time when they were performing and then Barrage was performing over in the Tomorrowland Terrace. Oh my god. And my wife and I had gone to see Barrage several times. And then we went to see The Power of Blast uh-huh. and we're recognizing people from Barrage Just sitting like- in the audience with us. Then that night we're overseeing Barrage and we're recognizing people from Blast. Oh yeah, I mean, if they could, if off times, then we, they would do yeah. that. Go yeah. see each other and stuff. Um, like when Spirit Pocahontas was running in 96, uh, the Hunchback show over mm-hmm. at Festival Arena was running, but I think we were running at same times. So I don't think we were opposite times, so that was difficult to kind of walk down the path backstage and go visit them and, sure. and back and forth, but sometimes we did. Uh-huh. You know, that's a funny story. I told you I walked in. It was an eight-hour audition day for Hunchback, so I went to go audition for the Hunchback show, and left at midnight with Pocahontas. <laughs> <laughs> Esmeralda, Pocahontas. I know, I know. I spent eight hours. They're like, yeah, you know, basically, thank you. No, I got cut at the very end for oh. Hunchback. But they said, hey, can you stick around and sing for Pocahontas? And at the time, I had kind of written it off thinking, they don't see me that way or whatever, huh? Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, yeah, right. And that ended up being a long process. That took all evening. And literally at like 11.45 at night, they were like, hey, Joe, can you go down the street and get fitted for a costume? I was like, this is the longest day (laughs) ever. I didn't really see the happiness in it until Uh the next morning. Right. I couldn't really let it sit in and go, oh, my God, wait a minute. Wait, what just happened? (laughs) I couldn't see it through the migraine that had developed that day. Sure. And it was just just a long day. Mm -hmm. So the next day I was like, oh, yes. (laughs) <laughs> it was, you know, took a little time to seep in. Right, sure. <laughs> Since you started, your first uh, stage show was as Jasmine. Uh-huh. Have you seen the Aladdin stage show in the Hyperion? Yes, yes, I have. It's been a while, mm-hmm. and I have friends over there and stuff. It's been a while, definitely. And that was neat to see. I was like, a nice big 45-minute show, you yeah. know. But looking at that show now, too, you know, Great show, but I always look at it and go, well, was, I'm never going to get hired for that show. <laughs> I'm like, let's see the Jasmines, you know, at least at the last time I saw it, you know, they're very young. They're very young. And, yes, they are. And the, most of the ensemble, I believe, are dancers. There might mm-hmm. be just some singer ensemble people, but, you know, I was like, oh, that's a great show. You know, he's just kind of look at it, keep an eye on it. Like, am I going to do something? I'm like, mm, no, probably not. Right. So until they get rid of that show, <laughs> bring something else in. <laughs> they almost did a couple of years yes, ago. That did. didn't happen. <laughs> so it's still popular. I think it, it still fills up that theater. Yeah. Every time I've seen it, the theater's at least half, two-thirds full. And it's a pretty big venue, so it holds a lot of people. As far as I remember, the genie pretty much carries the show. I mean, oh, he's going to make it or break yeah. it. And those are most of the people that I know. And, and it sends me back remembering what the Oasis show was like. Because mm-hmm. we had a genie in it, but it was a head character. But the two 
like main MC and his sidekicks were sidekick anyway and they just it was like stand up comedy we had so much liberty in that show mm. the show was really supposed to be I think a 50 55 minute show we knew that they were on a roll when the show ended and it was just like um it's an hour five we gotta <laughs> cut the show man and some of our cast members like oh, I'm not gonna leave I mean I'm on a roll man I had him I had him in the palm of my hand so his like five minute sketch or his five minute rant went on to 10 15 minutes <laughs> But it is. When the crowd's just on the floor laughing, it was... But, you know, we had to keep it a certain length of time because sure. you wanted the turnaround, you've got to clear out the restaurant. Mm-hmm. You know, they tend to like the guests to get up and go about the park and not sit in one place for so long. Right. They want to go out and spend more money. Right. So Hence the introduction to Fast Pass. There you go. Yeah. yeah, so they didn't want us running late. Right. Even though it was funny, but... There were a couple of times we'd be backstage and we're looking at the television monitors and we're like, okay, come on, so-and-so, come on, come on, I know it's fun, like, let's go. <laughs> we want to go to lunch or right. whatever. You're enjoying yourself, I'm starving, let's Yeah, like, on. let's go. I know they're funny, but wow, let's go. <laughs> gotcha. So then when you went into Animazement, what did you do in that show? I did the Pocahontas track. Okay. And really, that show was all about backstage. It sure was a great show. And the mm-hmm. montage, oh my gosh. I mean, I could sing the montage just every day. That was, to me, the great arrangement in that show. It was just always crowd pleaser. And it was another kind of park and bark, had him out front, face forward, sing, you know. And it was great, and the crowd loved it. But the real show, as I call it, the challenge was backstage. That was way more work backstage than what you saw on stage. At least each person had a track, Mm -hmm. and the pokey track, you started the show as Pocahontas, then you're going to run off stage, change into your cake, hat, and dress for Be Our Guest. Okay. And we were tap dancing. Remember the trio downstage? We had a cake and a turkey on a head and something else. It was the trio girls, and Mm -hmm. we would do our tap dance section and join in with with the dancers at the end, run off, and I believe I came out in some kind of hooded something for Hunchback, and then get back into Pocahontas again for the montage, and then I think I ended the show with something else. Something like, you're in and out of Pocahontas a couple times during Uh the show. And I thought, this is crazy. (laughs) It was just, I felt it was just really stressful backstage Mm -hmm. to really have fun out on stage. I think if you'd done it a while, it would have been better. But I did it just for like a couple of months. And then I remember I left town to go do a cruise ship. So I got out of the swing of it, though. Uh But was definitely trained, did some shows, got the proof. It was great. (laughs) But it was really, that was the challenge, was the backstage. There was no downtime. Mm Mm-hmm. And you didn't have a second to spare. Right. And it was getting that cake on my head and crossing stage without getting run over either by other people or sets. Oh, yeah. And if you were late, <laughs> so insanely screwed. So if anybody <laughs> listens to this, and that was just my, my small experience with the show, and if anybody listening to that, that has done the show, they, they know, they know. That's like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That was a tricky show. It was a tricky show. Fun show. But just the, I remember the pokey track was like, it was ridiculous. <laughs> Sounds yeah. like one of the most complicated things. It was. It was just, it was more complicated backstage than it was out on stage. Uh-huh. Like, finally, you could get out on stage and rest. Right. 
And I'm like, right. oh, I can get to and I get to sing now. Wow. <laughs> nice. You know, and do the montage and oh, this is where I rest and go and drop. <laughs> That was it. <laughs> <laughs> so now you've done Animazement. You're over in uh, DCA doing Chance to Shine in Groove 66. Mm -hmm. And you said during that time you were also a clinician for Magic Music Day. Yeah. Those kind of all overlapping. Friend's not a cheap little phony creep or a jerk trying to make a deal. A friend is the person who most of all cares about what you feel. And nothing is harder than learning a friend isn't real. A friend sends notes back and forth all day and doesn't care that you can't spell. A friend knows you've got a crush on your teacher, but a friend would never tell. A friend's outside waiting the minute you both hear the bell. And if your heart is always breaking, cause the world is just not fair, when you're smoke when she's in your room and laugh at the poems you write a friend won't go and start kissing your brother the minute that you're out of sight a friend is a person you call 16 times every night and if your heart is always breaking and you want to run and hide when you're a whole to show him you care so you give him all your last month of vacation and all of the time you can spare and then on the first day of classes he acts like you're not even there and then he Hi, this is Rick Moyer. 
and this is Amy Moyer, and we are the hosts of Take Him With You. The weekly podcast where we discuss life at the geeky Moyer's home, and then we talk about our faith and how it relates to the world around us. Very, very positive podcast, and we think you really enjoy it. And I love Star Trek and heavy metal music. And I like Star Trek. Kinda. And heavy metal music. And I hate heavy metal music. <laughs> Want to hear more of our banter? You can by listening to our podcast. Where can they find it? You can find it at TakeHimWithYou.com or iTunes. That's right, iTunes. That brings us to the end of this week's show. A very special thank you to Jill Burke for being my guest, and to you for listening. Come back next week for part two to hear the rest of our fun and interesting conversation. Again, I'd like to have the Friday after Thanksgiving show, November 23rd, to be an all-gratitude show. No matter who you are, call or write in and express your gratitude and appreciation for anyone or anything Disney. I need lots of help on this, but I know there's enough of you listening that we can make it happen. I've got some emails so far, but we need more if we're going to make a show of it. You know, whatever job you have, stay-at-home parent, office worker, artist, construction, executive, teacher, police officer, whatever, you'd like to be appreciated for what you do, right? Well, the people at Disney who work so hard to give us the wonderful movies, TV shows, theme parks, cruises, and more are the same way, I'm sure. This is your chance to do for them what you'd like someone to do for you. So if you've had any special experience with a cast member or a guest at a theme park, call or write in and say thank you. If you've got a favorite character, call or write in and thank the people who brought that character to life. If you have a special place in your heart for a certain movie, animated or live action, call or write in and express your gratitude to the people involved. If you're a fan of any of the Disney parks, the Disney Cruise Line, or even Adventures by Disney or Alani, call or write in and tell us why. And if you've got something else, some other part of Disney that I didn't mention, you know, consumer products, whatever it might be, if you've got something, call or write in. I'd love to have a full show of Just Thanksgiving. Email me at podcast at storiesofthemagic.com or call the listener feedback line at 734 734- Two, three, story. As always, you're welcome to remain anonymous if you wish to. But on the other hand, you know, if you have your own blog or podcast, feel free to mention it when you call or write in. You have until November 20th to get those in to me. But if one came to mind already, and I think it did for many of you, don't wait. And feel free to send in as many as you want. Subscribe to Stories of the Magic in iTunes on the website, or you can hear Stories of the Magic while on the go with Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher is a free news and talk mobile app available for your smartphone. And when you download Stitcher to hear Stories of the Magic, you have a chance to win some money. Downloading is quick and easy. Just find Stitcher in the App Store. Download it. It's free and just takes a few seconds. Then, during registration, hit the promo code box and enter Magic Stories, all one word, to get automatically entered to win $100. The latest episode of the show will be waiting for you in your favorites. You'll get access to lots of other amazing shows, too. Always available to you on demand, no syncing. It's Stitcher Smart Radio. Don't forget to enter promo code Magic Stories when you register. If you like the show, please rate and review Stories of the Magic in iTunes or in Stitcher Radio. Those ratings help make the podcast more visible so it's easier for people to find. 
Leaving a rating and a review will only take a couple of minutes, and I'd be very grateful to you. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, visit storiesofthemagic.com and leave a comment on the show notes for this or any episode. While you're there, check out the show notes for useful links from each episode, too. Please like the podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash stories of the magic. Follow the show on Twitter at twitter.com slash stories of magic and tweet out that you're listening. Pin it on Pinterest, plus one it on Google Plus. Tell your friends about the show. Keep letting others know that you're listening so they can join in the magic. Finally, remember that this episode has been brought to you by Leaving Conformity Coaching. If you feel like you're just going through the motions, living in a fog with no clear idea of why you're here and what you're supposed to do, maybe even wasting your life, then it's time to take steps to change your life and be transformed. Live your life with purpose, clarity, direction, and meaning. To find out more about Leaving Conformity Coaching and how I can help you, Access some free resources and read my blog. Visit leavingconformitycoaching.com slash stories. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Stories of the Magic. There will be other days and other stories. And this tale continues next time. You've been listening to Stories of the Magic with Randy Crane. If you have feedback, want to share a story of your own, or even be a guest on the show, write to Randy at podcast at storiesofthemagic.com or call our listener feedback line, 734-23-STORY. And don't forget to visit the website, storiesofthemagic.com for show notes from this and every episode and to leave your comments. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, live your dreams and make the magic in your world.